Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are listening to Unchurched. My name is Rebecca and I'm your host for the next half an hour. Today on Unchurched, what we are going to be talking about is a fun topic and it's loaded with worms. Oh yes, it is a can. It's a number 10 can filled with worms. It's greasy grace. Oh yes, basically what we do here every week on Unchurched is we talk about church culture. Those are the thoughts, the ideas, and uh, beliefs that the church has, holds, and then of course their corresponding actions and traditions that they do. So, um, yeah. Well, so last week we talked about, um, oh, we talked about uh, being Barabbas and we talked about um, the grace that God gives us and how uh, through the through the story of Barabbas, which is in Luke 23, how that how God, how God in Jesus embodied in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the son of God, who is God in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and everything that was created. Um, the word was there, all that. And then it says later on in first in, in the first chapter of the gospel of John, it says, and then the word became flesh and dwelt among, among us. Let us be firm in establishing here and reiterating, because we've already said it before, but that Jesus Christ is absolutely 100% God. That uh, we know that there are at, uh, three main components that we talk about of to God in um in Christianity, uh, that being Jesus Christ, God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they are all one. That um, they are seen as three separate identities of God, but that they are the same God. And I'm not going to even try to give you some silly little um, uh it's like water. No, I'm not going to do any of that because they're all riddled with errors. Um, is that uh, that that there's a lot to, more to God than we can even begin to perceive and understand. And but let us clarify here that Jesus Christ is 100% God because I believe that that is going to be evident and necessary in um, what we're going to be talking about. So we talked about Greasy Grace. If you're hearing a little squeaky in the background, it's the dog. She's wandering around with her hamburger. It's a little vinyl hamburger with a squeaky. So if that's what you're hearing, that's what it is. Pay no mind. Um, So uh, last week we talked about um, how God does give us um, an extreme amount of grace. How he took our place on the cross, how Jesus Christ um, lived a perfect sinless life. He lived according to the law. He um, and then he was punished for it and was taken, took on every form of punishment that we absolutely deserved for our sins. And then he died for that. But then he but God was not was not content to allow someone to um, die for us in that. So because he lived sinless life and because he was perfect, he was afforded resurrection. So he resurrected himself and through his death and resurrection, we have the ability to die to ourselves and then be resurrected um, into a new hope, a new faith 
a new spirit and eventually a new body. Oh, yeah. So um, that's there we go. That's kind of that's that's what that's. And we talked about grace and God's extreme grace last week. So we're going to be talking about um, um, and but we're going to be talking about what is considered greasy grace and this idea of antinomianism, which is a big word. And um, the other side of this, which is that God's grace isn't cheap. That it is um, some that it's not easily obtained. Um, that God's grace is not easily obtained because I believe that this idea of um, of uh, difficult grace or um, what's the word that uh, costly grace. Now the grace that we do receive was costly, yes, and it was paid a price by Jesus Christ. Like that's that it when something it's 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 already been but that's the point is that it's already it's costly, yes, but that it was already paid. So when somebody gives you a gift, like a really expensive gift, that um there and it's a gift, you know, no strings attached, nothing like that, is that um that it is a gift and it is yours to have and do with. Now, um, there is no need to pay somebody back for that gift uh, to a certain extent. And so I know there's a whole bunch of people going, mm, well, I mean, there's a feeling of obligation. Now, if somebody does give you a very expensive gift, there should be a feeling of obligation towards that person. Um, not out of guilt or shame or that you feel like you need to repay them back. Uh, but maybe you should, because if somebody gives you like, let's say somebody says here, I'm going to just gift you a car and you and they're a friend. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, they don't have a car. Then uh, do you feel obligated to give them a ride somewhere, take them shopping, uh, go places, you know, that sort of thing? I mean, really, in all honesty, it, you should feel, um, you, know, you know, a source of obligation. So this is what we're going to be talking about is that the grace that is given to us by God, that he's given to us, that we should feel an obligation. But I wouldn't necessarily say that it's costly. And I think that the whole idea of costly grace, and uh, it comes from a guy by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He wrote a book called The Disi Cost of Discipleship. Now, a little backstory about um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And I think this, this is important to note because um, he... <sighs> about the time frame that he was writing his writings at and where he was living. He was living in Nazi Germany during the time of Hitler, and there was um, increasing persecution that was happening upon the church. Now, I understand that um, <laughs> the from what I've read, the Nazis weren't great. They were actually pretty... Um, they, 
they they were they were not the nicest people in the world and they had pretty intense ideas about how to do things and how people should live and who shouldn't live and who should exist and who should have money and who shouldn't have money and who should be the reigning supreme um group of people which i find interesting because uh um hitler himself was part jew a uh, little known fact there and he was a self-hating jew <laughs> oh my gosh ah so um but um diedrich bonhoeffer was living in nazi germany at the time and he wrote several books about um i would say militant using i would use the word militant christianity because he was writing books to encourage Christians to um, stand strong in their faith and not to um, succumb to Nazi Germany. And one of the books that he wrote is called The Cost of Discipleship, which I believe is where the term greasy grace comes from. I believe that this is the book um, or the idea of that. Now, I have, I've not read the entire book, but I've read a little bit of it. And I know that people love to quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And I'm going to say that um, if you're going to read Dietrich Bonhoeffer, make sure that you are reading Romans every single day, that you are reading um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that you are reading Galatians, that you are reading Philippians, that you are reading that. And that you are reading the Gospels because there are some things that I'm finding within Dietrich Bonhoeffer that are giving me a little bit of pause. Um, one of them specifically is chapter eight in the cost of discipleship concerning the righteousness of Christ. Because he calls Christ the son of God, he calls Christ a man and that Christ is the only man to have lived righteously and that his righteousness comes from doing the law. Okay, I'm going to take a deep breath because righteousness does not come from doing the law. Righteousness comes from God and who God is. Who God is and what God does is righteousness. God existed before the law and righteousness existed before the law. And so when he's teaching that, um, that the disciples, that, that the disciples of Christ, that they're righteousness comes from doing what Christ did and living perfectly like Christ did and that that's how that they obtain their re their righteousness is by living according the way that Christ but that there is grace that surrounds by you trying to live that way I don't believe that that is um, biblical because when we read Romans, 
And when we read Galatians, um, especially when we read in Galatians and Paul calls out the Galatians pretty quickly and he says, oh, ye foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And he's talking about the Galatians who have foregone that they're um, that they are now saved by grace through faith, that it's by faith that they have obtained the righteousness of Christ. It's by faith that the faith that their faith is accredited to them as righteousness. I, uh, this is uh, repeated over and over in the scripture, even before the law, before the law was given, Hebrews even talks about this in chapter 11, is that um, now f- that Abraham, he believed God and that it was credited to him as righteousness. And that that's what we're doing with Christ is that we're believing that Christ, who Christ is, what Christ did for us, and that that is how we're obtaining our righteousness. So um, now I love the book of Romans because the book of Romans and I see people, one of my, it's a small pet peeve. It doesn't really irk me a little bit, like a whole lot, I should say, but just a little bit is when people start quoting like just a few scriptures from Romans, like especially in Romans chapter two and Romans chapter one, and they just post up a couple scriptures and I'm like, oh my gosh, please no, you need to, if you're going to quote Romans, You need to quote entire um, chunks of Romans because it is uh, laid out like a thesis, like a paper where it just builds and builds and builds upon it. Uh, Romans 1 through 5, he starts talking about how um, people are, you know, how, how we're sinful people and how we do bad things and how people just shun God and go off and worship other things. And then they end up doing things to themselves and to their bodies that are not quite right and not according to God's plan. And um, that how the law was introduced to show that there is a good way of doing things. And then Paul also says that Rome in Romans that the law wasn't sufficient for righteousness, because if it was and we were able to live according to the way that Christ showed us how to live, then um, and if Christ is the only man that to do it right and then um, we are now to live that way, then the cross is um, void. We don't need the cross. Because if it's possible to do it in our own in our own self and person, then the then all we need is the law. And Paul talks about that in Romans. And that's and this is the whole thing that he's going through is that if you know, if the if the law was sufficient, you know, but when it but it what clearly wasn't because if it was, then we wouldn't Christ would not have needlessly died. And then the cross is null and void. We have no need for Christ dying for our sins because we apparently have the, uh, the, we can do it. We can do it. All we needed was just Jesus to show us. If he's just a man that lived perfectly and if he's just the son of God, and I'm using air quotes there, but if he's just the son of God and if he's living perfectly and he's showed us how to do it, then that it can be done and to live according to the law perfectly, then we'd have no need of the cross. But because man's nature 
as Paul states in Romans, is terrible because we've inherited that sin nature from Adam because one man sinned. So therefore, and through the, his one man sinning, all mankind is now kind of screwed up. But through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ, through his, we can now enter, all men can enter through into life, from death into life. And this is talked about in Romans. So now, what about this greasy grace? Because that sounds like, oh, well, that means that, because uh, there's people that are like, oh, well, that means that, wait, so Jesus died for my sins. And so I can just live my life however I want. And God will forgive me of everything. The greasy grace answer is no. <laughs> Uh, Paul says no, but there are people, I've heard people say, sure, yeah, you can do, you can do whatever you want. And it's like, well, no, if, if somebody like says, hey, you have like royally screwed up and I'm going to give you a chance to start over. And I like, you have no money, you have no house, you have no car, you have no credit, your credit is zero, or it's like, like 20. Your credit is in the is in the toilet, and you can't get out of it. And some guy comes along and says, Hey, you look like me, I'm going to give you the opportunity to live as me. And I'll take your place. You can take my place and I'll take yours. And I'll, and I will, and, but I'm just going to, you can live my life. The guy would be a fool <laughs> to continue destroying his credit, to continue to uh, squander all that money, to squander all that finances and to squander all that, because that would be ridiculous because that's a chance to start over and, uh, like he would be a fool to do that. Now, there are people that do claim the name of Christian who appear to do that. Um, it, look, it's messy and it's complicated. Addiction is terrible. Um, there are, you know, with relationships, there's two people involved and their life is is full of missteps and mishaps and we live amongst people who are do not know Christ and we live in a world that is affected by sin and we there is a definite enemy of God let us not forget that there is an enemy of God that does not want us to succeed that does not want us to live like Christ has given us a free pass a free hall pass and so when if God has done that for us, it is our reasonable act of service. It says so in Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 to then turn and serve God. If you've been set free, if you've been forgiven, then it is our reasonable act of service to serve, to in turn serve God, to say, yes, he is Lord of my life. Yes, I, you know what, I'm going to try my best to please God. Yes, I'm going to hang out with the God that uh, has set me free, that loves me. That Yes, I am going to 
um, I'm going to try and live and be an example and try and be Christ, you know, not be Christ, but be like Christ, live like him to kind of like think about things the way that he thinks about and to do things that he the way that Christ would do that. And the only way that you can is by hanging out and reading his word a lot. So, um, but let's read, let's read some scripture because I think that's important. So, um, uh, Romans 5, 18 says, then as one man's trespass, we're reading the revised standard. Um, then as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all men. So one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let us remind ourselves that Jesus Christ was not only 100% man, but that he was all all, he was also 100% God. And because he was 100% God, still is, um, is and was, and forevermore will be 100% God. And that is why he was able to fulfill the law. And that's why no man could do, no other man could do it. The only man, God, that could do it was Jesus, was God himself in the form of Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus. Amen. All right, so we go on to chapter six, verse one. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. So that old man, those old things, the things that have the, the old stuff is, is gone is uh, we that we don't have to walk in the sins that we were bound by and all that, but that we can and we have new life in him. Let's see. Uh, For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the sinful body might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. For we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died to sin once for all. So the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So this grace that we've been given, this grace that God has been given that has has given us is that if we uh, acknowledge it, if we understand that this is what God has done for us, then it is reasonable for us to go I can I have a new lease on life. I can do and live according to the way that God wants me to live. I can live in a way that won't hurt 
you know, that to my very best, I will try not to hurt other people. I will try not to hurt myself and I will try not to hurt God. Actually, you want to do it. You don't want to hurt God first. You don't want to hurt yourself next. And then you don't want to hurt others because you can only love others as well as you love yourself. Mm. Oh, how about that? Um, yeah, this, that that's, I mean, you can love others more than you love yourself, but you're going to end up hurting yourself by doing that. So, um, and if you don't want to hurt yourself, then you won't love others beyond the, the capacity that God has um, given you to do so. And how do you know that? Well, you got to have a conversation with God as to what is appropriate and what you should and should not be doing. And sometimes it does hurt our pride. It hurts our um, selfishness to um, do what God has called us to do and to live according to the way that God wants us to do. It hurts our flesh. It hurts our pride. It hurts um, the old way of thinking. So, um, so this grace that we've been given is not meant for us to, um, if we've been living the life, uh, lying, cheating, and stealing, and God... Um, rescues us from the grave then it is and we are alive with christ it is dishonoring to our father to continue to cheat to continue to lie and to continue to steal to continually bully other people to continually hurt other people that's not what god wants us to do and we know that because we read his word. So if we spend time in his word, so we want to love God, we want to honor God. So we want to get to know him better. And the only way that you can um, do what God has, wants you to do is by um, communicating with him through his word, first most and utmost. If you don't know um, the voice of God very well, uh, there is 66 books in a um, uh, letters and books and items in a book called the Bible, the Holy Bible. It comes in several different translations. And um, I, I highly recommend reading more than one translation and all of it and more than once in your lifetime and daily. Absolutely. 100% daily. So uh, the... Greasy Grace, Cheap Grace, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Man, I I start looking at this and I'm like, ah, I can see if there's enough wiggle room with Dietrich Bonhoeffer that I would say be careful. I'd say really know the, your scripture, really um, know what's going on when you read other people like that because he has a very direct um, sense of talking and it uh, sounds very authoritative and it sounds very official. And I mean, he had to have that in order to talk to people during the time of the Nazis because they were listening to very authoritarian figures of the time. And so if he had um, come with a less authoritarian way and style of address, then he um, probably would not have been listened to nearly as much. Um, that being said, uh, just be careful with it. We need to be more, um, more aware of what's in the Bible and read the Bible and have that as our authority. And then 
then we can look at um, people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and um, compare it to the Bible. But by no way is Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, the authoritative voice that is in the Bible. So um, I, I, there is some good stuff in there. Um, I do believe that Dietrich Bonhoeffer has some good points. I, I would just be, um, just be careful, you know, stick with the word of God. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. Ask God as you go through where, um, where could, where a person could easily be led astray and ask God to guide you and direct you. And then also read the Bible. <laughs> Whenever you're reading stuff like that, you, you got to read the Bible because, uh, yeah, it's it's good. It's it's important to emphasize that um, what's what's in the Bible. But Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, no one can and um, can go to the Father except through Him. And the grace that He's been He has given us is through faith, and it is extreme, but. We also have a responsibility to that. If we truly love God, I mean, if you truly love God and if he's truly Lord of your life, then you will feel an obligation and you will feel an affinity to do what God wants you to do. And that's, um, I, I think that um, at times we can be like Jonah, uh, who wanted to do the will of God and then ran in the other direction and got, I mean, if you read the book of Jonah you, he ends up I mean he's kind of re, he's a rebellious prophet really he runs in the other direction God says hey go to Nineveh and he's like nope I'm gonna take a boat in the other direction and uh God's like go preach to them and he's like you're gonna be nice to them and show them mercy I don't want to and God's like do it and he's like fine okay he does it and then he sits out in protest because God is merciful to Nineveh because they all repent and he sits out there in protest and is like, no, I'm just going to wait until God, like, shoots you all down. And uh, God then um, has some issues with Jonah and teaches him a lesson with a plant. So um, just just because <laughs> – and I'm, I'm saying that is that just because uh, – <laughs> um, Nobody's perfect is what I'm saying is that, uh, yeah. Um, but let's try our best to do what God requires of us and got what God wants us to do with the grace that he's given us. All right. So that's kind of it for today. Um, if you have any questions, you can send me an email at, uh, talk to me at unchurch.net. Um, that'll be fun. Um, Let's see if you want to be a guest on the show. Same place. Talk to me at unchurch.net. Um, if you have any topics, yes, that'd be great. Um, but uh, anyway, um, next week we are going to head into Mercy. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you next week. All right. Bye-bye.